Hey awesome nerds and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast where we rewatch or recap television shows we really enjoy and talk about how the themes, concept and characters could be used in your role-playing games. I am your host Jeremy and I am joined by uh, my co-host Afif who is currently trying to shoehorn an indie rock pop music video into an episode of an anime. Radioactive, radioactive. radioactive. <laughs> yes. Is that the right yes, song? Yes. Uh, no, it's not. It's um, Enemy. Given the episode we are talking about is episode five of season one of Arcane, Everybody Wants to Be My Enemy. And the um, the theme song is done by Imagine Dragons. And the song Oh, so Enemy. you probably won't know this because you're not a League no, of not. Legends fan. No, because I'm not. Yeah. Well, you know, good for you, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, Imagine Dragons, they all play League of Legends, basically. And so it was like a big deal. They're, they've partnered before with Riot, the people who make right. League of Legends, and done like promos and stuff. So that's why there's all that overlap. That's why there's like a full guest starring role in this Yeah, because they, they play the game, basically. And yeah. Good for this. So this is like Henry Cavill with Warhammer. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. You know, they should Games Workshop should put Henry Cavill in there. Who well who would Henry Cavill be in Arcane? Uh in Arcane? Um Yeah. He'd be Vander, right? Vander I can see him playing Jace. Oh yeah. I reckon he's got the range to do like the the fighting out the corruption but also giving up his morals. Or Powder. I don't know. I don't think he's got the figure for Powder. Like, Powder's like an... Like I reckon a he would go... Type. Christian Bale would do it. Christian Bale would do it. But he wouldn't look as good in the halter top. That's true. Yeah. Um, let's get into the episode. Because, as I said, episode five, Rogan forces Caitlin tours the Undercity to track down Silco. Jace puts a target on his back trying to root out Piltover corruption. Um... Have they kind of given up um, calling the Undercity Zorn or Zaun or whatever? Yeah, it it's it's weird that they go back and forth on it. Like, yeah, it's a I, choice, I guess. Yeah, I'm on board with it because it feels like while Xander Xander Vander was alive, there was a little bit more independence and separation between the two. And now Silco's just like, no, no, you you can do whatever you want with these people. Because I'm getting what's yeah. mine and I'm making the money and, yeah, he doesn't care as much anymore. So you think it's a conscious decision? No, I think it's bad writing. Um, but I'm happy to, like, hand wave it away as a conscious decision. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not like they've introduced... They've kind of stopped introducing new characters as well at this point. So it's not like there's more names to remember or anything like that. Yeah, that's true. Like, I don't think we really... Yeah, it feels like everyone we've met so well, everyone we met in this episode, we've already met. Yeah, like, I think maybe the same. Yeah, for the next, next few, fire yeah. the leader of the firelights. Firelights feels like it um, was new in the last episode and doesn't really show oh, up yeah, much in this true. one. Yeah, but that was like kind of like the last new character. Yeah. That we hadn't met already. So, okay, that's that's interesting. I, I like it. Now, before we get into it, I really like this episode. <laughs> this is a good one. Yeah, I, this is a, I had a really a good, good time. meat and bones. Yeah. Yeah, is it because it's the horny episode. The it, horny is, episode? it is the super horny episode. 
Like yep. Jason Madia? Madada. Mel. Mel Madada. Is it Mel Madada? That's her name. Yeah, Mel is her first name. Madada is her family name. Yeah. Okay, so I just wrote down Madada because I forgot it was a family name. Uh, okay, so Jason Mel just full on fucking. Um, yeah. While his boyfriend Victor's all like jealous and coughing. Uh, yeah, they do really love any. their like little music montage, uh, you know, cutaways yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, I like it. I think it's very arty and cool. Uh, but also, Vi and Caitlin, like, seriously. Yeah, there's lots of lots of energy, lots of lots of fandom lots of, and shipping going on. Lots of no sense of personal space and just like getting up in each other's faces. I think that's a I think that's like a Zorn thing though as well. You know, it's kinda like New York, right? Like Yeah. It's that same idea of like, yeah, I'm walking here and I'm just... walking here. If they all talked in Brooklyn accents, I think well, I think also calling her cupcake is Yeah. Here's a key element. It's like, stop calling me Cupcake, but you're so sweet. It's like, hmm, I, I just feel like Vi wants to eat her. Like, that's the the only, only reasonable explanation from that, which I'm fully on board with. And that's maybe yeah. that's where we'll start, because partly I loved their dynamic and their chemistry, but I also loved that idea of adventurers on opposing sides of the law. And yeah. That they do have to kind of work together. That, but not buddy cop, but you know the the cops and robbers aspect of going in and one person out of their element, but also having to work together. And it just it was really fun. And I'm trying to work out how would you do that for a game where it's not necessarily the concept of the game. Like you're not doing a police procedural or action highest adventure. Like this is the rogue and the paladin teaming up to do something. Right. Well, I guess the main thing, I totally forgot we're supposed to talk about role-playing games as well. I was ready to know, just right? talk about Okay, Yeah. Um, I guess it's like, do you want it to be between two different players or between a player and an NPC, I guess? I think if it's between an NPC and a player, it's a lot easier. Because if the player is playing the rogue, you can just have the NPC as the straight man. Um, and just be like, oh, this wouldn't fly. And you can be all like, hey, you're a stick in the mud kind of aspect. But if it's two players, I'm wondering if that's something that the players need to talk out beforehand and work out that dynamic. So you think it needs to be, if it's between players, it needs to be more kind of pre-planned or? Yeah, it needs to be established that that is your dynamic and that's how it's going to work in this. Like, even if it's just a, hey, do you want to do like a good cop, bad cop thing with, with this in this scene, unless you've got that sort of relationship with a friend where you can do that banter off the cuff. Yeah. Yeah, true. I guess. And I guess the other thing is kind of the scale of it, right? If it's an NPC, they might only be there for a session or two. Um, but then with it's between player characters, you've got to consider like, oh, do we have to keep this up for the entire campaign? Yeah. So I'm wondering, it's also that dynamic between, say, Legolas and Gimli in Lord of the Rings. Like that slightly antagonistic attitude that they've yeah. got. Like there's competitions and pranks and, and that sort of thing. And having that as a dynamic between player characters, I feel you can keep up 
in in an ongoing campaign. Yeah, I mean, again, it, like it really depends on your players. I think that it one's does. very, very specific to the the kind of group you have. Yeah, I think that's true. I think it's something you can't manufacture that. Yeah, like, that's. I think that's a good good way to put it. Yeah, I think it's the kind of thing that you. Maybe build with an, if you do want that sort of dynamic in your game, maybe you build it with an NPC or show NPCs who have that dynamic, like a duo of cops that the, the party comes across. And then if the players pick up on it and say, oh, that's, they were really cool. I remember them. Then you talk to them. Well, maybe I can create someone who's like that or the interactions you have with someone are going to be like that. Yeah. I mean, I think naturally parties will tend to kind of, Maybe not initially, but over time, they'll either all kind of drift a little bit lawful or drift a little bit chaotic, but they'll do so collectively. There'll be less of that contrast and kind of inner part, even if it's not, you know, not conflict in a bad way, but conflict of those opposing kind of methodologies and stuff. Um, If they've been together for a while, they're more likely to agree on things. And so you won't get that same sort of contrast, I think, with the party. No, I don't think. Well, I think you won't get that contrast, but you will get that camaraderie where they can be trusted to do as they are expected to do. Like you can know that the rogue's going to be the one that nicks off early on and goes off by themselves. And you know, the paladin's going to be there to pull them out later on. Yeah. Which of course is what happens in this episode with, with Vi abandoning Caitlin at the, um, the brothel and then getting a ass saved after the fist fight. Oh my God, that fist fight. Yeah, it's great. My notes just uh, could vibe maybe stop being so fucking hot when she hits people. <laughs> it's like, oh god, it's ridiculous. Um, I've been waiting to see what Salvia, um, Savika, Savika. Sorry, Savika. Like what that arm was going to do. Like since yeah. since it got ripped off in the in the third episode, it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. And now it's like got shimmer, and it's like, oh, it's awesome. It was very cool. I liked the fight scene. It I was think we've super said cool. That before. Yeah, it was super a cool. Lot and of that was like le- that was leading up to the. Well, that was during the montage, the Imagine Dragons guest star, where it's um, like walking through the, the yeah, streets, yeah. and it's like yeah, super gritty and real, man. <laughs> this is how I assume Imagine Dragons talk. The Imagine Dragons bit was. What did you think of that? The fact that the the band was there took me out of it. The music itself, like having that as the the diegetic sound, I loved. Oh, the non-diegetic sound, I absolutely yeah. loved. I yeah. love a montage like that. I love the the music really fits with the world, but having that big ass electric guitar and someone playing drums, not so much. <laughs> yeah, but that that did make me feel very like D and D is what that was. Just like. A very obvious, like, joke shoehorned in, kind of. Yeah. It's like, and there's a band in the corner, and, like, you know, um, there's a, a guy who's got a guitar, and he, he's, like, the, I don't know, the Pseudo-Dragons. That's the name of the band. We did, that um, because kind of I ended up putting it in my campaign. Uh, they they won some, like, concert tickets to something. They got it as, mm. like, a quest reward. And it was, like, for um, imaginary, no, illusionary wyverns. Oh yeah. yeah, I like that. It makes sense. Um, you you raid um, arcane and like legends for your games. Yeah, 
Um, How do you feel about music? Now. It is. They're the, that's obviously the illusionary wyverns that are playing. How do you feel about music for your games? Like, do you have a soundtrack that you go have a go-to for, for different fight scenes um, or just pastoral moments? That's a good question. I've gone back and forth on kind of different philosophies um, okay. about... So I like ambience because it's not as distracting as music, mm-hmm. um, but then it's also not potentially as you know, emotionally impactful if you really want it for those kind of moments. So I'll usually do ambience just for like general stuff and then music for the combat is kind of the broad rule of thumb. Okay, that makes sense. I think a lot of people go for for something like that. And ambience is always good because you can hear the the click of the the dice or the the clink of tavern uh, mugs or something like that. Yeah. Just kind of the bustle of crowds and maybe the whinny of a horse occasionally. I know Sirenscape has like this amazing ability that you just have like background murmur and then you kind of hit a button and you can hear a horse whinny. And it's real like proper sound mixing. Like you could create your own little track and just have it going and go. And then a horse cart comes through and you hear a crash. And it's like, that's very immersive, but also it feels like you're playing piano while you're playing D&D. That's, yeah, that's the other thing I've found where it's, you kind of want, like, you could theoretically add all these elements and layers to it, but you don't want to give yourself too much effort, too much work to do as a DM. Um, so you got to find that kind of middle point of what's easy to do, but still going to be very impactful. So when you're finding, like, ambient music and, like, battle music, do you just go for something basic? Or do you try to think about what the scene's going to be like? Like... Certainly, when I'm running an Eberron game, I find something a little bit more like a banjo, a little bit more of that 1920s Western feel for my ambient music. Yeah, I'll definitely try and make it thematic, yeah. Um, so, one what, thing, what's your go-to for Arcane and League of Legends? Well, okay, first of all, one thing I've noticed, just as a general rule with music, my advice is try to avoid stuff that's too recognisable. Like, yep. you know, if it's like the Skyrim soundtrack or whatever, and like... Because your players are going to recognize it, and they'll, what they'll do is they'll say, "Oh, hey, where's this from?" And they'll they'll get distracted, and that always happens. Um, yeah, so I would say, like, try, yeah, like try and find more like the royalty-free type stuff, or from a, a game that's maybe not as popular or a property that's not as popular. Yeah. Um, but as for your question, yeah, well, the good thing about League of Legends is that there's a lot of music to do with it as well, because um, yeah. it's a video game and stuff like that. So. I've taken a lot of stuff from League of Legends. I try to be consistent in terms of the... I try to find, like, a good source and then try and keep using the same source, like the same kind of YouTube channel. Um, So it's, like, consistent across the board. Um, Another little thing is that sometimes with ambiences, they actually get really repetitive, like, really quickly. Mm. And if you're just, like, browsing through, that's not something you'd notice because you just kind of listen to a snippet. But then once you're in the game and you kind of... Um, having it go for like half an hour or whatever, you keep hearing that same like sheep bleating, and it's like, well, <laughs> fuck this. It's like this. What the fuck is there a sheep here? And you know, oh, we're up uh, to that. So that one, okay. can, yeah. So like that, that's something to be aware of as well. It's not really something you can prepare for without like just spending literally hours listening to stuff ahead of time. But yeah, you can just be aware of it and then maybe switch to something else if it if it comes up. It reminds me of in. Watching Critical Role, a lot of the time they'll 
sing along with the fight music. Like when the the horns. Yeah, because they, I think they kept using the same. Yeah, especially like the earlier campaigns and stuff. Yeah, which makes sense because they were on Twitch and they were like, "Let's just go with some um, royalty free music," but it becomes kind of the favorite bits. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you wouldn't go into having like having an NPC have their own theme music, like they oh I have march or anything. I have done that, yeah, for significant NPC. Well, mostly for villains, because mm, villains course. it works the best for villains. Um, I did, yeah, and that's where the League of Legends thing really helps. And for the the main characters that are champions, they'll have their own champion themes. Pretty much every uh, champion in League of Legends would have their own theme, um, which is very handy for that sort of thing. That's really useful because you can like have someone knock at the door and then you start the theme and it's like, oh my god, it's such and such. And you kind of yeah. get into that attitude of it already. That's great. Now what I about wanna, you? Yeah. I want to find out what Vi's theme is for one thing. Um, I think Vi's is just like a punk rock kind of like, it's very modern. It's very contemporary if I recall. Yeah. Got it. I kissed a girl and I liked it. Got it. Uh, <laughs> I've been playing because she and Kaylin are hooking up. Uh, yeah, I, I got it. Yeah, good, good, good. I I like more modern settings to have actual music. Like I've made a couple of cyberpunk playlists on Spotify for cyberpunk games, and it's usually heavy techno and punk, and kind of alternates between the two. It's not that ambient music. It's just kind of that beat and that synth in the background that can go on and on and on. Yeah. And the same for, for a Spelljammer game, where it is that, that 80s synth all the time. So you kind of get that feeling that you're in Thor Ragnarok, um, just kind of running around on spaceships and like everything's Technicolor. And just to have that background music get people in the mood rather than just be the ambient music of this is the people around you. Yeah, I really like... Yeah, if you've got a really... If you're running an adventure that's got a really strong like thematic theme to it thematic theme <laughs> um then yeah it really helps to that really facilitates having like a, a good soundtrack and good music for it i think a, a great example of how music gets used really well is alice is missing i don't know i don't know you haven't played it Thief, but some people in the i haven't played know. it i am familiar but perhaps someone listening is not familiar yes yes you you know everything of course um that you do yes i I know what it is i know know what it is is. you can basically it's timed there's a 90 minute timer in the game because you've got to have a stopping point at some point so that someone's made a 90 minute playlist for it and a lot of the game is based around 10 minute intervals so as it gets closer to the end of the game the music really pick up pace and change style and you don't notice it because you're focused on what you're doing and just having that in the background it's just so, it really kind of hits that right nerve. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's yeah. if you can time your music, it's wonderful. If you've got a professional sound mixer on staff to just sit there with your game and um, and do it like uh, Dragon Friends do, that that would be cool yeah. too. Um, I mean, That's I have a sound. Dream, honestly. <laughs> I have a what's it called a little stream deck which I use for like soundboard and to easily switch songs and stuff like that. Um, but even then, it's like 
I think when I first used it, it was I was tr- trying to lean into it too much, you know, and it was just it was too much to keep track of. And uh, now I've like simplified my setup to try and minimize how much I need to use it. Oh, that's good. Well done. <laughs> look at, look at <laughs> this guy, huh? I'm hoping that that soundboard I just use works on the on the record. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to sound really stupid. Uh, yeah, I I just like music to to put into games. I've had a couple of bad experiences where, particularly online, and this is why I dislike running online, where either it hasn't shared or people have turned the music down. And then when I want a really tense moment and I pause for the music to like swell, everyone's like, "What? What's going on? I I steal his yeah." I steal his boots because they're not listening to the music. It's like, God fucking damn it. Oh. Uh, anything you wanted to cover from, from about music or, cause I don't have a segue into my next point. So I want to throw it over to you. Um, not really. I think you asked before about like what music I use. And I think I had for Zorn, it was a bit more like punk kind of Rocky. Yeah. I think I used some like metal type soundtrack, like kind of doomy songs, but maybe a bit less yeah. intense that might not be everyone's flavor uh, during combat. And then I think Pilto was more kind of like, you know, Sherlock Holmes kind of Victorian, that kind of like, yeah, I think I used some from the Sherlock Holmes soundtrack. Here's actually a free plug. Um, the music that we get for this podcast from Pixabay has a whole range of stuff that you can use for exactly this purpose. And it's like got fanfares. It's got just, piano minuets like very simple stuff that you could just kind of go through and go okay i need something for when the emperor enters all right i need a fanfare boom i've got that so yeah have a look for for royalty free music as well um so you can make that and just have it on a loop if it's backgroundy or natural feel to it so it's there's a lot of stuff out there that's not wow. not Spotify. this podcast brought to you by pixabay God, if only. <laughs> I would love to have a sponsor. Um, not that we don't really enjoy being brought to you by Masters of Alchemy, the premier game mastering service in Melbourne. I can see our boss online now just shaking a finger at us. Uh, <laughs> speaking of stealing from places, um, I wanted to talk about how Vi gets her awesome jacket. When Yes. Yep. Her little cut-off coat. Um, where she basically gets mugged as soon as she arrives back down in the lanes. Uh, or they try to mug her and she mugs them back. But we don't even get to see it because that would have been too cool to have two fight scenes with Vi in one episode. Yeah, they don't have the now, budget for that. How do you feel about players looting everyone they meet? i not a fan. Um, yeah. It just feels very video gamey to me, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't like that aspect of it. How do you feel about it? I like it in this sense. Like, it's always annoying when they're like, cool, we loot the bodies. What do we find? You're like, they three copper. These guys were just out for a walk. Like, they're not bringing their life savings with them. I'm like, oh, well, I guess we stabbed them more then. I was like, oh. There's some realism on this. Uh, but I do like that idea of her stealing the coat and this being kind of like a, I'm assuming this is her outfit from the game. Um, with the, the red coat. It's and the... it's closer to it, but it's not yeah. quite. Yeah. Okay. And I like that in the aspect that obviously they're moving closer to a game and they've got a look they're trying to go for, but also that idea that you've given a description for the world, something about the world, and the players have gone, that's really cool. I want that. 
So they're going specifically for that item. And it might just be, hey, I like my sword, but that guy's got a sword with like a dragon hilt. Or that guy's gun is even better than mine. It's the same stats and everything, but it looks cooler because you've described it that well. Yeah. Thinking in particular, like you start to, they build their character based on what's around them as well. I'm thinking in particular, I had a character, we fought um, some dwarves for some reason, dwarven miners, I think they were just mean. Uh, and their leader had this really kick ass, like wolf clock coat, which is very much based on the mini. And my character's like, nah, I want that. That's that's like a pimp coat. I have to wear that. So in fighting him, we're like, no, no, don't cut the coat. Be very careful not to damage the coat because I want that at the end of it. Like, you can take the money. I'm getting the coat and I'm going to look really cool and I'm going to update my mini and it's just going to be awesome. So that that element of when you get a description of something, okay, that's what I want out of this. And you get to yeah. build your character further based on the world around you, based on your interactions. Because I feel like that's what adventurers would do. Like you start out with a club and you're like, well, I beat this guy with a sword. He's got a sword. I'm going to take that instead. You're not going to sell all the swords you find like it's a video game, but you are going to upgrade when you find something better. Yeah, that's true. Um, no, it was good. I mean, I think going back to the whole like kind of loot goblin type thing, I think in this instance, it's she had a very specific purpose for looting them. You know, they were trying to find uh, outfits to blend it. Well, maybe not for her, but she was finding an outfit for Caitlin at least. Yeah, and she was like, "Hey, that's a nice jacket. I'll I'll take that one. I've got yeah. my prison prison stuff." Um, and in my home campaign, I addressed it very much like out of character. Um, I just said flat out, like, "I don't want to deal with this." So yeah. that's how I did it. And and you know that'll work for some groups. Other groups maybe they want a more kind of in universe reason to deal with it. So maybe that's a bit more work for you. But luckily, my sorry, inverse using inverse. Inverse um, reason for not having loot, or well, yeah, well, for like every time, you know, that will be a case by case thing, right? For every enemy, you have to have a reason. Yeah, you know, maybe it's just like carrying capacity, for example. Like, so you actually yeah. implement those sort of rules. But I'm not strict on carrying capacity. But the trade off that I've said is that okay, well, not every little random enemy is going to have good loot. Yeah, I think that's a throwback to like classic D and D, where you lo- you leveled up through money just as much as through experience. Yeah, and you got just like League of Legends. Some cases. Yeah, then you fight Sorry. you fight three wolves, and you find oh wow, this one had a dagger. And like, why did it have a dagger? Like, it's a yeah, wolf, and it's it, like swollen. yeah, it's a throwback to the older older RPGs, which influenced those the vi- early video games and stuff like that. And it's now it's very much a video game thing, and I think. Yeah, I'd like to think that kind of tabletop RPGs have moved a bit past that. I'd I'd like to think so, but I'm not sure that's actually the case because people still really want to loot stuff. I'm also I'm looking at Vi's outfit now from the game, and she's not she doesn't really look the same. She's got much more of like a corset kind of thing going on. Oh, okay. I might need to see these things then. Unless you're just looking at your fan art of Vine. But she does... her. Listen, her breasts are very pronounced in this artwork. Ah, yes. Um, I suspect it's a deviant art thing then. Uh, she does have like a little red jacket thing. It's a bit more pinky though. It's not as red. You can't really see it. In Wait, that that's one. her actual outfit in the game. Afif shared that- it with me in our, in our chat. And uh, that that's There's the 3D model. Hang on, I'm sending you the... Yeah, that's her like in-game model. I, what? No, I. 
<laughs> that's awful, not as right? cool as that's not as cool as the one she's wearing in the show. Like, yeah, in the show she's got like kind of, of cool, cool baggy like jester pants or whatever, you know. Yeah, like clown pants, like harem pants. Yeah, this is all right. Well, I guess it's acceptable because it's a completely different game, and yeah, all right, that's that's fine. I guess the gloves are still cool; they have to be. Um, I think her hair's right. a lot more pink. Like in the show, I think it's a bit more red. As yeah. Well. well, that's what happens when you get older. When you got pink hair, it just shines more. You wouldn't the know because your hair yeah. isn't pink. Yeah, the red goes out, but it's um, yeah, I don't. <laughs> all right, I'm just wondering where she looted all that stuff from. Then. I think it's also that this aspect of looting, like this, is how people find magic weapons. And I think it, it, it particularly in D and D, I feel like it's a lot of the time when people are building an encounter and the reward is a magic weapon. You start to wonder why wasn't the monster using it? Like, why was that just in a box somewhere? And I'd rather have, I've had it a few times actually, and I've had to explain, no, no, that's just an ability the creature can do. When they hit, like the, the opponents hit someone with a sword and they describe how like it catches, it burns and like, sucks out their energy and it's like necrotic energy coming into the creature and they're like oh i've got to get that sword now like it's not it's not the sword it's the person yeah the sword. i mean but that idea of maybe you do have creatures that it couldn't do like it's just a regular guy but he's got a cool weapon yeah that's honestly like it it makes a lot of sense and it's it would mm. be really cool but again it's just that thing of like the rules don't really do a good job at facilitating that you know like there's no. no there's nothing that says like okay well if you have an enemy at this challenge rating and you give them a weapon of this you know kind of power level like what is that how does that affect that and blah 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 yeah i think also looking at other games you then have to be very aware that if you give your enemies or give your people something and the players destroy them they now have access to that that technology I'm thinking something yeah. like Star Wars. It's like if they take on a Star Destroyer, now they've got a Star Destroyer. Like, that's what they're going to try and do. They're going to try to take it intact so they've got their own massive city-wide ship. Yeah. It actually, I was listening to the One Shot podcast from a very long time ago, and they were playing Rogue Trader, the 40K, the Warhammer 40K RPG, many years ago. And that is literally yeah. what they said. They were like, oh, cool. Our enemies have got a really cool gun. Shoot for the head, so we still get the guns. <laughs> and you run ahead, so uh, we see how the guns work. And while that's very in you, like, that works for the universe, it's um, maybe not the best tactics. Yeah. It is, it's, yeah, it's that funny, I guess it's that line as well between, like, the abstraction of narrative and kind of the gameplay elements. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I like, I most of the time like loot. I like to reward them with something. And it's like, particularly, it's been really yeah. good reading uh, Big B's Guide to Giants or whatever the title is now, because they have uh, giant bags and it's just random stuff. Like, this giant has three wheels of cheese. I'm like, yes, you know what? This is what people are going to start carrying. Oh, yeah, he's got, like, three bits of string in his pocket that he was going to use to fix his shirt later. Like, you want to loot you them? Know, yeah, players you find love the random that. crap. They do. They do players love to love have that. love that random crap. And they just, yeah. they're, like, adding stuff to their inventory list and, you know, like, figuring out something to do with it later. 
Here's the book as he learned to read. There you go. <laughs> uh, um, I don't have another segue for this one. Are we going to talk about the the arty sex scene, or is this just going to be the horny episode and we'll cover it, and that's covering it? Well, kind of in the same vein, I was looking at the original design of Jinx as well in her outfit. I'm not sure if you've seen that either. Uh, I think, I think all the outfits sure. got a, a pretty solid glow up in Arcane. Okay. Um, Jinx's face in her original splash art is just awful. I mean, Jinx is basically just what if the Joker and Harley Quinn had a kid? Yeah. So that's it's pretty straightforward. Oh, and also Sailor Moon, given how long her hair is. Oh, her hair's ridiculous, yeah. Her hair is bigger than... How do you have 12 feet of hair when you're that small? Yeah, it's that's something that they could have, like, da- dialed down a little because it's only been, what, like, five, six years, did we say, between between the time skip? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I and the fact five, that her hair... Six, yeah. I don't think hair can grow that long in that time. Maybe well, it's she's she's from Zorn, you know. She's yeah, it's a shimmer or something. Like, yeah, yeah, that's probably what it is. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, I actually I do want to talk about about Jinx a little bit. The uh, there was a couple of moments where they really had the good wham lines, like when um, Savika Savika, I got it right. I did Savika. Did I Savika? Damn you! <laughs> Damn you! Um, <laughs> when Savika reveals that Jinx is still alive and working for Silco and then gets to stab Vi. It's like, that was like a good little character moment that we could see coming. But then there's yeah. the one at the very end of the episode when Savika, Savika gets some good lines, honestly. Um, getting to come in. Savika, she gets some good too. <laughs> too. He gets to come in to see Silco and be like, hey, Vi's back. And Silco's just like, what, from the dead? And end. <laughs> And yeah. just that sudden realization, he thought she was dead. What the fuck? Like Savika's so like that that role in like uh maybe like a theater production or whatever, where she like gets all the cool lines but like doesn't have to do a lot. So she's like yeah. doesn't have a lot of effort. It's like the low effort, high reward kind of role, yeah. Yeah. I think how do you get that into a game? Like this is something that the the game master has a lot of power over. Because you're the one that can kind of controls the information of what the players have. And I feel like there's two really good wham lines that you can have, particularly, and we see them both in this episode. You have the one where the players know it's coming and get to just revel in that, oh my God, he said that thing and it was so cool. And the one that just like changes everything. And they did not see coming at all. It's just the boom, out of, the bus out of nowhere. Um, was this, is this you telling the players stuff or the players delivering it? I think, I think you delivering it as a storyteller. Yeah. Because players, like, they're always going to want something cool, but you do have to kind of work that into your story. So either they're going to have to be a step ahead of you and that suddenly becomes an adversarial thing. But that, I'm thinking, again, critical role when the Chroma Conclave attacks. Like... In game, that feels like it happens out of nowhere. And again, yeah. that's that wham line of you suddenly you've you've put all the pieces in place and they've got a maybe a hint that something's happening, but they don't know, and you get to pull that trigger and see the responses. Yeah, and, I and- mean it's I think it's 
pulling a big surprise like out of the hat is yeah good but i think it's also it depends on your players because i feel like you don't want to you don't want it to be like too random and too kind of like you know ex machina kind of out of nowhere uh i think because i think that you you run the risk of perhaps like cheapening it a little bit like just adding conflict for the sake of it without kind of earning it first well let's go back to the the dramatic irony one then that we as an audience know that um the jinx is working for silco but vi doesn't so a lot of it's about that working with your players your players might know something and then you get to reveal it to your characters do you think that has the same sort of power in the message like when you do that reveal I think it can. Um, you can always do a little kind of cheeky sidebar with one of just one player, you know, and then they mm. reveal it to the rest of the players. That's kind of a nice middle ground. Yeah, I think that's that's a good way to do it, actually. Have it to be, you're not revealing something about the world, you're revealing something about the other characters to each other. Like you might have a secret that one of the pl- one of the characters has and you have an NPC reveal that secret in front of everyone and now everyone can talk about it. But that player knew it was coming, and maybe some of the other players knew it was coming as well. But now you get to have that that moment of revelation. You get that moment of discussion and develop it further. Yeah, I think okay. player secrets are like really powerful, potentially, but they're obviously very, very dependent on on your group dynamic. Yeah, I just, I just want, I'm trying to think of cool wham lines that I could have. Cool. Well, it depends on the situation. You gotta. I know. I think the best one I've I've had. I'm trying to think of ones I've, I've done, and the best one I've had was um, a group was trying to find information on how to defeat this like mega dragon that was causing all these problems, who had woken up after many years of slumber, sort of thing. So they're going and looking for allies, and they'd found a dwarven library, and they're going through and like finding all this stuff, and they see this dwarf just kind of standing over in a corner looking at some books, and they go over and like go hey those are the books we need and he looks over and he goes wait i know you guys you're the guys that were fighting me earlier and it's the dragon i'm doing the same like i'm giving him the same accent as the dragon same intonation everything and i made him sean connery to like really drive the point home so i could do it so they definitely recognize it but that idea of suddenly they get that holy shit he's doing the exact same thing we're doing And I really like that's that, yeah. probably that's probably my best one. And the fact that, of course, he's a dragon, he's a magician. Of course, he can shape shift and just yeah. hang out and do these things. And the fact that he's just like, oh, it's interesting. I'm just going to leave now because you're not actually a threat. But uh, good seeing you. And that that shift of expectations, that surprise and shift of what they knew to be true or were expecting the world to go as. I don't know. My my words are not working today. I'm just kind of babbling. It's a Monday. I feel I feel the exact same way. Yeah. What are you talking about? We we do these on Wednesday and they go up immediately. We're all horned up from the episode. That's right. Actually, I saw I did that going- old. I saw the BDSM. I saw the Gimp Yordle. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm going to be shipping Vi and Kalen forever. Like I was shipping yeah. them with five seconds of interaction last week. But just the little smile that Vi gets when she sees Caitlin flirting with the the other woman in the um in the brothel. Just like, oh yep. Yeah. No. They're they're together forever now. OTP. 
Don't care. Yeah. They can, Caitlin can shoot Jinx in the face. I don't care. It's fine. They're going to make up. Um, going back to the horniness of this episode with Jason and Mel hooking up while Victor coughs. Um, right. So Victor was, Victor's dying, I guess is another big thing. Yeah. Victor's, Victor's dying. I, yeah. I kind of figured, of course he's dying. He's got a crutch and a cough. Of course he's going to die. Like, sure. This is how fantasy works. If you've got any sort of ailment, you're dying. Sorry. Yeah. That's, that's too uh, bad. The point I wanted to make was- He's just got like the common cold. Yeah. And it's yeah, just at this, in this day and age. It's like he could have had some antibiotics, but he's like, no, I, I really want to work. Like if he just slept a couple more hours, no. Nah. But no, he's like, no, yeah. I'm going to work. Yeah. But Heimerdinger is an anti-vaxxer and he's against he the is. technology. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Magical tech, yeah. He, he's very much against anti. He's against hex facts. He's, he's an anti hexer. He's an anti hexer. There we go. Yeah. I'm of the anti hexer. Uh, the reason I was bringing it up is that's the kind of fade to black I'd rather have when I'm talking about lines and yeah. bales. And if characters do hook up, I'm like, cool. You go out and the bells are ringing and like there's a train going into a tunnel and a fountain. And let's go over here and see what someone else is doing. Yeah, so I agree. That, hmm. I think that it's not. It's not just. Obviously, it depends on your group. I just don't think it's the time or place for it. You know, like that's a no. whole other game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that it's called fatal. Um, yeah. <laughs> then that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about for this episode. If, if anything else you wanted to cover, I really liked. Hmm. We had a glimpse of Jace as a politician, him going oh, yeah, into his, I like new, that. his new role. And again, it was very yeah. like quick and efficient storytelling. An- another little montage, you know. They loved having the the diegetic music as well, you know, at the performance yeah. and stuff. Oh, that's got to um, be a Star Wars reference too. Yeah, for sure. That cool violin with the horn thing as well, yeah. Yeah, the tuba violin, yeah. I was into that. Um, I liked at the very start how Caitlin was doing the little, there was a little kind of Caitlin backstory. And I liked how her bullet had like her house engraving on it. Um, the very extra. Yeah. Oh, and we got, um, oh, we got the, the Iranian awesome. Yes. Yeah. Just for a moment. So good enough. Just for a a moment. And then I really liked the old man. On like the when they were heading down to Zorn, so like she wanted to take the bathsphere down, and there's oh, like yeah. the old man hoppling on. And by the time Caitlin got to the bottom, you see the old man again walking past. I didn't notice that. No, oh, that's a nice it. touch. Yeah, that's it's really a fun cool. little yeah background. That's, joke. A, that's a nice little joke to say. Yeah, that you know this way's quicker. Yeah. Okay, cool. Excellent. Um, then there's only one thing left to do in this episode, and that is to pick a character. Oh, and the NPC. From- Sorry, the Fishman. Fishman NPC. The Fishman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that gives that gives Caitlin, that gives them via the Thieves Cat little note of where to go. Just the the no talking, no talking guy is pretty funny, yeah. Yeah, I love that guy. He was pretty cool. And just the food in particular, that was a nice little touch. I think that's always a good way of world building to add some food in and being like, yeah, "Yeah, this is the place that makes spaghetti. This is the place that makes bugs. This is the place that makes Neapolitan ice cream. 
I'm yeah, food food very underrated good. for world building. Yeah. Smells too, actually. You know, yeah, like just it smells good and bacony. Uh, so then there is one last thing, and that's to pick the character who um had a crit hit or a crit fail in this episode. And I'm finding a really tough time picking one. Um, so Afif, would you like to go first? I think that Jinx had a crit success. Yeah. Uh, on the old boxing machine that she went up against. That she didn't. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I'll give you that because she got second place on the leaderboard. So I think she got the crit, but she just didn't have. She just doesn't have as much strength, you know, as many points in her strength as Vi That's did. That's true. Yeah, so she's she just still still came short. Yeah, yeah. But she got as close okay. as she could get. Hmm. It was the weird baptism element as well with um with Silco. Yeah, that was there's that whole thing. Yeah, that was weird. I didn't like it. It's too creepy. No. Don't like it. Uh, I'm gonna give. Oh, geez, this is really tough. Um, I want it to be a. Fight. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, unless that old man who's walking in the background, uh, unless Caitlin made her way down really quick, and that guy also just like crit succeeded on his kind of con check going <laughs> yeah. down. He just <laughs> like he sprinted down. the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna give it to Imagine Dragons. I think I'm gonna um, <laughs> a crit fail. Give it to Imagine Dragons. Yeah, I'm going to give a quick shout <laughs> on Imagine Dragons uh, for for not taking the advantage of having the entire music video just draw, done in the style of Arcane. Fair enough, yeah. Uh, honestly, I can't back that up. Maybe they did. Maybe they did, because honestly, I'd like that video. The uh, I know the um, radioactive um, video clip is like all puppets and stuff, and that's pretty cool. That's like the puppet, like fighting ring, isn't it? Yeah, the puppet fighting ring. It's it's one of those. I put this on the Instagram a couple of times just to plug for the quick Instagram there. A uh, quick plug for the Instagram there. The um, as soon as I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna have some music for this this announcement. I just put on radioactive. I'm like, I don't know why this this show really like sounds like an Imagine Dragon show to me. It's like. Don't know why that'd be. Oh, weird. Ah, so that is it for this episode. A bit of a shorter one this time. Uh, thank you so much for listening. You can subscribe and leave a review uh, anywhere podcasts are found. That would be much appreciated because it gets out some more listeners. But wherever you're listening, whether it's Spotify or Podbean or Apple Podcasts or wherever it is, um, say, share it with a friend. Tell them how great it is. Uh, tell your local comic book shop. Tell your local game store. Tell your local Imagine Dragons fan uh, to come and listen to the podcast because we have opinions and you know, it's awesome. We are brought to you by Melbourne Melbourne <laughs> Masters of Alchemy, the premier by game. Daniel Masters. Andrews by Daniel City Andrews, Melbourne. Melbourne. You know what? If I could get a grant, I would. Uh, <laughs> Masters of Alchemy, the premier game mastering service of Melbourne. Uh, come along to PAX where you can see the stall, uh, PAX Australia, that is, the first weekend of October in Melbourne. Uh, you can probably see a thief dressed as a hobbit, most likely. Is that going to be what you're going to be wearing? Oh, no, I have a different, I have a very exciting cosplay plan. Very yeah. exciting. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram, where no doubt those photos will be too. Uh, it's at DNDNTVPOD, or um, 
No, I deleted the Twitter. That's right. So it's not there either. But you can send an email, which is dndntvpod at gmail.com. We are rapidly approaching the last episode of this series and would love to have some questions uh, for Afif or myself for wrap-up. So all of Afif's players, if there's any secrets you want revealed, uh, get the emails, emails in now. Um, Afif, nowhere you wanted to... Anything you wanted to plug? Anything you wanted to mention? Um, not... No, no. Fair I watch thought about software. doing a bit, and it's just I couldn't think of one. So, oh, you got to be prepared. I'm going to put you on the spot all the time. It's fine, though. It's fine. You're forgiven this time. Uh, so, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Uh, stay safe. Be kind to yourselves. May all your hits be crits, and um, remember to get hex vaxxed. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.